Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Oh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Save big money in your next project with help from Menards. Move water where you need it quickly with a Barracuda sump pump. Sump pumps keep your basement dry when big storms hit unexpectedly. Get a half-horsepower cast iron Barracuda sump pump on sale now through May 5th. Hurry into Menards and don't forget to check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. Hello and welcome to another episode of I Weigh with Jamila Jamel, a podcast against shame. I hope you're well. And I hope you're in the mood for someone very silly and soothing on this podcast because every so often I do these ask me anything episodes where I get a friend, a funny friend, a wise friend onto the podcast to help me help you with your questions that you send in. And this time around, we have the excellent and hilarious online and acting and writing genius that is Harry Trevoldwin. He is the star of 10%. If you haven't seen it yet, it's so good. It's the English version of Call My Agent, which is one of the best shows of all time as well. And Harry is someone I found online because I became obsessed with his comedy videos and sketches. And I strongly suggest you do the same after this episode. But this is just quite a lovely, sensitive, kind chat between two people who really are just both figuring everything out themselves. We're trying to answer your question. We have both very different styles of living, so you get two very alternate views of how to approach these things. Hopefully that isn't confusing and that's nice to listen to. And I just generally find Harry to be one of the most soothing presences that I've ever met in this dark, scary, disgusting world and industry. And so I hope you fall in love with Harry too. Go and find everything Harry's in. In this episode, we'll discuss advice we'd give to our younger selves, how to know the value of an argument and when to walk away. We talk about why revenge bodies are a fucking terrible idea and why time really is the best healer to heartbreak. We talk about our favourite things, like our favourite books, and we discuss, well, my tried and true method of communicating via email when having a fight with a partner. So if any of these things appeal to you and you just fancy a soothing listen, please enjoy the absolutely delightful Harry Trevoldwin. Travoldrin, welcome to fucking I Way. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so happy you're here. Um, you're my big comedy crush, who is now, by the powers of the internet, my friend, because I <gasps> slid right into your DMs. And uh, in the most like, oh, heaven. <laughs> and I've been able to, I, I feel like I caught you just at the right time, just before you took off and started landing every job in fucking Hollywood. And now you're, you're, bit, you're becoming a big fucking British export. It's mad. Should I tell you what? I remember, I remember specifically the day that you slid into my DMs because I've, I've yet to have a, this is by the way, no read on you. I've yet to have a sexy DM as in like, <laughs> Hey, how's it going? But I have had professional ones and those I feel they trumpet. And yours, I think was on UK Mother's Day because for some reason I couldn't go and see my mum or something. And so instead we had this like, and so otherwise I might not have been free. And we had this lovely, lovely chat on the phone. It was great. It must have been very odd to receive a a, ran, a random DM from someone who just feels entitled to tell you how much they love you. Got can you imagine tick. if I responded really badly to it? I was like, no, it's I thought you enough. would. I was really nervous because oh I always presume everyone hates me. But I just, uh, I was so obsessed with your uh, online videos that I, uh, I felt I have like a compulsive urge to tell people in comedy how much I 
I love them. And I wonder if part of that comes from the fact that I know that I'm not speaking about you, but a lot of comedians famously uh, fail to love themselves and they're very hard on themselves and it's a really brutal industry. And so I feel like almost especially when someone uh, from that, that kind of uh, part of this industry or part of this world does something that makes my day better, I kind of want to I don't know, just give them something back because they gave me that happy feeling. Well, that's, I feel that's a very good compulsion to have. I feel in the like, in the tapestry of compulsions, that's an excellent one. And yeah, but I totally, I totally know what you you mean. I think like, it's very different. It's very, very different, like actually kind of like, compared to like liking something, actually saying, by the way, like I really, really enjoyed this. And it's actually, it's kind of the same as giving a compliment, I think. Like, as in, if you think it, why wouldn't you say it? Um, and you're very good at that. And it's very un-British. It, very un-British. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's incredibly un-British to like, but I feel like me and my friends are quite good at giving compliments. Like, if I think something, I will try, I will try and say like, oh, I really like this. I like this without being like too much, but, um, hitting that sweet spot somewhere in the middle. Well, well done on not being too much, Harry. Not Thank all of us so have much. that. Thank not so all of us have that skill. But um, <laughs> I do feel as though I do feel as though one of the things that uh, you and I connected over is like a mutual um, hunger for kindness, because mm. we live in a world where it's where I feel like meanness and bullying, especially online, can be rewarded and ratioing someone and and hurting someone's feelings and ridicule and all these things. And, and you know, I've definitely been a part of that culture when I was younger. I totally get it. I see the funny. We, we've all been to school. We've all seen that dynamic play out. But I do think that I uh, around the time that I hit you up, I'd sort of it was just it was 2021. And I think I'd hit my limit in like how much vitriol I could see online mm. anymore. And I just wanted to have loving exchanges. And so have just been as loving as I can online and on the podcast to try to just find my own like little safe space. I'm so sorry, someone's buzzing at my door. That's fine. Which is not it's ideal me. for a podcast. <laughs> Surprise. It's, um, it's in person. I'm so sorry. Oh, thank you. Was it just okay, a compliment? Well, it's, yeah, it was something they really loved my work. And I was like, great. Well done. Well done. It's just Olivia Coleman just buzzing on your yeah, door. Was Olivia, and I was like, Olivia, not right now. I, later, yeah. I will meet you at the restaurant, but not right now. She won't stop. It's a lot. <laughs> oh my goodness. So one of the reasons that I wanted you to come on to the podcast, aside from the fact that I love you very much, uh, and I love your kindness and uh, generally your humanity uh, is something that I find very warm and appealing. Um, but it's also right because I find you. you to be, in spite of being, and it sounds ex- deeply patronising, but in spite of being quite young, famously young, um, you are extremely, so extremely wise. And I feel as though you've been maybe studying people I think that's what makes you such a good observational comedian I only ever ask people to come on who've actually been a part of giving me really good advice so that I trust them to give my audience that same kind of like thoughtful wisdom uh, that comes from a place of wanting the best for people rather than just thinking that you have the smartest advice well that is very because I don't think (laughs) I don't think you can ever think of yourself as giving like I think what I do in terms of advice is, and I just, my, my like group of friends, I think are like the wisest, cleverest people ever. And I basically just dole out their secondhand advice and try and live by it. But I think that's like kind of the only way. That well, also, I'm you've been saying- through, you've been through some shit in your life. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you've had to learn by your own kind of trial and error. And I feel as though it's part of what's made you sensitive. And I think it's also part of what's made you want to, I think, I think that's partially where your kindness comes from is, is wanting to receive it back. Well, that's very, very kind. Yeah. I think, I think, I think you're right. I think what I am, I have learned to do and I think has been such a useful thing. Um, not just in terms like professionally, but also personally, yeah, of, of kind of reading people. I think I'm quite a good people reader and I think just through kind of doing I think from kind of doing like a lot of jobs at the fringe of things 
So whether that's like temping or just kind of like all these like kind of silly jobs that I did in London, I think you, it was, it was really helpful because I kind of got to, to watch people and very much not be watched while I was doing it. Like as in the temp, you would like try, I think often people were kind of disappointed thinking they'd get like this, like kind of sexy fun temp. And then I would like kind of gangle on through. And so well, you kind of, I mean, that's how you met me. Things. You were, exactly. I, didn't even, I didn't even know when I slid into your DMs that we'd met. That was so fucking mortifying. Oh my God. Yeah, of course. You were, you were driving a, a golf buggy because you were working at, at a Soho farmhouse and I yeah. was staying there and we had a, a right old laugh and I didn't remember that you were you. You would have been about 20 years old. And I, uh, I'd just been born. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah. And I remember what, what is so, because it could have gone, I mean, it could have gone one or two ways, but you were so, lovely and so kind and so chatty um and I remember just thinking like oh Jamila Jamila Jamil's great and that but was kind of it and then thank Jesus like imagine if I'd slid into your DMs all blue ticked up just being like hi I think you're so funny you're so amazing I love you so much and then I'd been a massive cunt to you in person that is just that would be my my living that's my like cold sweat fever dream but that, but, and so that just like kind of terrifies you into being nice to people just in case that, because of that course, just happen. well, no, because, because I live in fear of the fact that I might need to compliment them six or seven years later. Yes. Uh, exactly no, thankfully, thankfully, I've never treated anyone badly because I've been be treated so badly myself and I know how that feels. And I really, really believe in karma. <laughs> so, boy, I, uh, oh boy. so it is still from a fear based place, I think, that I am. Uh, decent fear-based the, kindness is still kindness it doesn't we, matter we'll, t- we'll take <laughs> potato, it potato harry. potato harry um, potato all right we asked our audience for some life questions and so i'm gonna throw them at you and and you can just give me your most honest response as to what you okay. would like our listener to know do you feel ready i feel right i'm gonna really focus on not thinking so much about how important it is to listen to the question and actually listen to the question. And now that I've said it, I'll definitely do it. Okay. I'm ready. What is the most important thing that you would tell your young self? Oofed. I guess, I guess it would be, yeah, do you almost say to like unclench? I feel like I spent like so much of my younger years. And I think part of that, part of that is, I think it's quite, common with growing up gay or queer is that you're constantly kind of like putting on an act and you're so terrified that someone's going to call you out on that act and I guess I would kind of just like yeah let my like shoulders drop and just like relax and just like be and trust that who I like who I am and who I'm continuing to be is actually fine like as in people can't tell you off for that and people can't like yeah chastise you for that um, but I mean, that would have been a very difficult thing for 15 year old Harry, who wore a lot of Aztec print to do, but I'd try. <laughs> sure. I'd also tell him to buy less Aztec print. That would be my second <laughs> yes. advice. I would have told myself not to join Twitter. Please, no. Please, no, not with this brain. And I think I would have told myself to never trust a fart. And I think I would sure. have, and I think similarly with before, like I would have. I wish I could have known to to back myself a little bit more. I feel like no one has gotten in my way the way that I have. And I love to blame the patriarchy. And I'm sure the patriarchy is responsible for some of the ways in which I've picked myself apart. But I have tremendous regret over treating myself the way that I have for almost all of my life. And I'm I'm so sorry to me. And I'm so sorry to younger me. And I'm trying my best to make it up to that person now, not just in the fact that I'm nice to myself or I'm accepting of myself, but also I'm trying to find my childlike joy and do things that are deeply silly that bring me like immense joy because I feel like I robbed myself. And I feel like a lot of people might be able to identify with this. I robbed myself of a lot of my childhood and my teens. Mm. And I lost my innocence in striving to be this nonsense version that was created by culture rather than just being mm. me. And so I'm I'm now like really and I, I really encourage everyone to do this to just because we're so perfect when we're little, you know, we're so un um untainted comparatively. 
and so I think getting back to that place of freedom and, and giving that gift to your sort of inner child is really, really beautiful. And it's really changing my life now. I think it's so, I think it's integral. It's, it's interesting. Like, it's almost like, yeah, I know what you mean when you say like, you think of your like, your childhood self as this like very like pure, but it's like, it's almost, it's also like this pre-shame version. Yeah. And like my, my friend Rebecca, she's just, um, Humphrey's just written a book and she describes in it like the moment that she first remembered shame. And I thought it was so interesting of that like kind of shift of when you, of, and it, it feels like so adult suddenly and so confusing where before you've just kind of like done what you want and you've enjoyed it. And if you love it, you love it. And then suddenly it's, I don't know, there's all these like, yeah, life kind of gets its hooks into you and you feel embarrassed about enjoying something and you get self-conscious and you're so right. Like I wish, yeah, I think like part of me talking to my young self would be like grabbing his hand and being like, come on, come on kid, let's go. Yeah, it's also like, you don't have to pay rent. You don't even know oh. what an electricity bill is yet. No one Every has dumped you, you yet. Every time you go to the fridge, you, you can tried... get a Yeah, exactly, exactly. And like, you haven't tried and failed at reverse cowgirl in front of every person mm. you've ever slept with. Like, so many things Okay, I thought, I thought in front of yet. everyone. I was like, when? No, I know. Yeah, can you imagine? My uh, <laughs> my OnlyFans account is the last social media uh, platform I have it's left the only place, to, it's uh, the only place I feel to, to be a menace to society. Um, sure, 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 but, sure. you know, like, no, like, this is, those are the fucking years. And so I'm, tr- I'm just trying to find my way back to that kid because I feel like I never got her, I never gave her a chance to grow. And so better late than never. And it's better resulting in very, very, very embarrassing, overly loving, gushing, very innocent DMs to young comedians. Um, we love it. We absolutely love it. <laughs> but that's what this podcast is, what all of it is. But that that is that is really it. And it's never too late uh, to reach that younger self and to kind of fix them. Mm. I really, I really yeah, believe I think that that's you the thing, can that, heal like, them later. To your younger self, it's not, it's not the, it's not over. Like it completely is. It's an ongoing thing. It's just about reconnecting. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, listen, we all carry around different stresses, big, small, medium size, and a lot of us keep them bottled up because sometimes we just have to. But doing that all of the time can really, really start to negatively impact your life. And I say that from experience. I'm British. We are told to never say how we're feeling about anything ever. And uh, that's why so many of us are so sad. Now, a way that I was able to remedy that was by having therapy, which was super helpful for me, not only because it's amazing to get things off your chest, but also all week you know as you're bottling things up because it's not always the time or place to say exactly how you feel you know you're going to get that hour where you're able to get everything off your chest and say it exactly as you want to and this therapist isn't going to take it personally and they're not going to hold it against you or throw it back in your face during an argument over dinner next week you just have this complete freedom honestly I think everyone should have therapy regardless of whether they think they need it because it's so amazing to have a confidant it's a journal that talks back to you and helps you with all of your problems. I think therapy is just a safe space to get everything off your chest to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, then maybe you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you can switch therapists if you don't like them anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash iWay today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iWay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... I made the charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera.
Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Someone wants to know what you're most proud of yourself for. Very un-British. Very un-British, but I really do think it's my, the like friendship group that I've managed to cultivate. Like, and only kind of recently have I really had to, have I kind of like seen how much I get from it? Because it's only when you really need those is that since I jo- is that, that since built. I joined? Is that what you're? Since yeah, that's exactly. what I'm reading from. from yes, this. as as well you should. And I was like, guys, <laughs> help. Um, <laughs> no, but like you know, when you like, it's only when something when you need people that you realise. Oh, I've actually built this network of people in order for them, you know, to catch me when I'm like this, and you feel so. Yeah, I'm really like proud of myself for putting work and time and energy into these friendships that have served me like again and again and again and again it's like the little coca-cola machines that you just that you can carry on going up for a refill i feel exactly the same and i also feel as though you know it's funny how that's never one of the things that we are told to strive for if anything we are told to do things to strive for these meaningless nonsense things like cars or fashion or this that and the other and we end up not seeing our friends. One of the biggest mistakes I feel like I, I made in my 20s was just go, like the, the fucking treadmill that I was on, the hustle culture, and found mm. myself suddenly seeing like a, just to, to date myself, but like a Facebook uh, like download of 1000 photographs of a brunch that I was like, like a, like a big friend group brunch that I was no longer invited to because they presumed I wouldn't come. So they'd stopped inviting me. Mm. It was a huge regret of mine and a massive wake up call. And I was like, this is... These are the people I'm going to grow old with. This is my chosen family. Mm. And I feel exactly the same way. Like the the best part of my life, and it includes James, because as much as he's my boyfriend, he's also my best friend. I can't, like I look around a table of them and I can't believe that these amazing people want to spend time mm. with me. And it doesn't matter that I'm paying them. You know, yeah, Harry, no, like, that, that oh my doesn't... God, that's encouraged. Because I think that's that, economy. Like, yeah, right? That's the I'm... economy. <laughs> That's how it works, Camila. Yeah. You you give them stuff and they want to be there just for you, you know? Yeah. And that's also escrow, I'm no, pretty exactly. sure. I yeah. paid you to be here today. Like it's yes. it works. Is I will it capitalism? Never have to work again. Sure. But, <laughs> but, I can't but you believe... know what? For friendship, <laughs> it works. We're like a TSB ad. No, which I agree. is maybe I a really... very UK reference, but I know. But I, I really agree. And I do feel as though that's something that we never think to be super proud of. It's really not there aren't enough great films and TV shows about friendship. It's all about love and winning the mm. job of your dreams. And I feel like we I like I want the next generation to to understand that they are going to be your everything when you get yeah. older and everything comes tumbling down around you i was having a fucking awful day yesterday and it was my friends and the people around me who were able to bring me up for air it's not my teams of people who help me make money it's not my mm. job that i do it's purely this 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 selection of amazing people so i feel the same way yeah and it's and it is it's it's and i think it's they're so worth putting putting that effort into because it can so quickly, you know, yeah, it's I think we're we're taught to prioritize kind of everything else, like um romantic love and especially a career. And you're so right, that kind of like hustle culture thing. It kind of but by the time you get whatever you like think you want, then who are you celebrating it with? I, uh, someone's asked, when did you start to focus on yourself and not what society thinks of you? You know, you've kind of mentioned being unclenched now. And also even in the last two years, right, you had, uh, and we can also cut this out if this is too personal, but you went through like a huge early career dip almost before you'd been able to get started. And you were kind of made to feel like maybe you're not going to have success in this industry and you were let down massively by someone and you just didn't stop. You just kept going and started to generate your own material and then went so, like got online and backed yourself and wrote your own stuff, created your own characters. You didn't give up on yourself in a way that I find so inspiring. You pers- persevered to the point where you just, something in you knew that someone might 
see the light that you see in yourself. And then they fucking did. And now you actually, you're, you're a working fucking actor. Whereas just two years ago, someone told you that they didn't believe, like someone powerful within your life told you they didn't see it for you. Mm. Like, where is I think that it's, come yeah. from? It's such, it's such a funny one because like you say it now, like, and looking back and I'm like, how on earth? Like, as in the arrogance of me to be like, just kidding, <laughs> I'm going to carry on. Like, as in, well, everyone was like, no, no. And I'm like, you mean yes. And just carry. But I think it was, it was like, I think it was lots of small little things that I would do. And I think it's funny. It's, it is, it is as soon as I like kind of stopped looking. I think it, I think it was as soon as I tried to stop stop slotting myself into kind of like holes that I was kind of making up in my head of being mm. like, oh, I've got to be this type of actor if I want to get like even like I remember like going to auditions and something and stuff and being like, oh, well they'll probably want this type of person, so I'll act like that kind of person. Like just all this like stuff that was just distancing me like further and further from who I was. Um, and yeah, it was only when I started like properly investing in myself and what I was good at that, yeah, things, things took a turn that always, yeah, makes me feel so nice that it was, yeah, kind of that investment in myself has, has, um, but how did you get there? How did you get there? How did you find that confidence or was it just a fucking, you were just throwing shit at the wall? I don't think it was, I don't think it was, it was like, it was like, I it, I wasn't confident doing it the first, like, I remember the first time, so I did, like, sketches early on, like, um online sketches, and I remember the first time I uploaded one of those, I was, abs- I was mortified, I was so embarrassed, I was like, what on earth are you doing, you silly, silly boy, but it was like, yeah, it was kind of like ripping, I was like, well, it's, actually, it's really, it's that thing that you were talking about earlier, the only thing that was getting in my way was me, and I was like, I know that I'm embarrassed about this, but so what, like, as in, if I'm embarrassed, and it's, and what I am trying is crap, then at least I've tried it, and I guess, I guess it was kind of that, it was just kind of like getting, getting myself out the way, so that I could get better I think I think it was also that it was like wanting wanting and liking this you know writing and acting stuff enough to want to get better no I really appreciate that I really appreciate perseverance and it kind of goes back to what I always say about imposter syndrome where I don't know if I have necessarily found my confidence I don't know I think I present as very confident because I kind of don't care and I think that that isn't the same as confidence, but it's extremely powerful and kind of has the same impact where with my imposter syndrome, I have it. I also am a bit of an imposter, you know, cause I'm in a new career. I'm six years into a career that I had no training or experience in, but I always treat it like a, like a wedding that I've crashed. Mm. And I just think, well, I'm here now. So I may as well trying to get, you know, like some cake and a snog while I can. You've been just... so good. You taught me that so early. I remember you saying that so early on. And I think, cause like when I was like first getting a j- jobs and stuff, I was, I wasn't enjoying it because I was so nervous about them and being like, what, they've made a horrible mistake and they're gonna, but instead you like kind of like really shifted my head about that. Just being like, no, no, they've invited you to the wedding, get as much free stuff as you can and just yeah. like enjoy it and relish it because Otherwise you're just, I don't know, like, isn't, what if in whatever world that the worst thing that happens, happens, then it's just happening twice because you're already worrying about it. So just enjoy it while it's not happening and then see what happens. I so feel, I I so feel that way because, (laughs) how dare you, but I, um, but I, I feel, I feel so strongly about that. I really, I like, I'm, I'm big on a fuck it bucket. I'm big on the fact that like, if, if the alternative, like if the worst thing that's going to happen to you isn't like death <laughs> or mm. severe loss of any kind, if it's just a bit of embarrassment, potentially a bit of mm. shame, like we're, we're already embarrassed and ashamed in our heads anyway. You may as well All just fucking time. go for it. And, and the worse it goes wrong, the better the story is for your friends. And no one's thinking totally. of that, Harry. It, no one's thinking about the of story at the pub. anecdotal material. Nobody thinks of anecdotes. I live for anecdotes. Yeah. And I think that's oh, a big part of... The number of bad dates that I've continued, because <laughs> I'm like, my friends, my friends will love this story. My friends will love this story and I'm going to do it for them. Can you tell me about any of them? Yeah, I can tell you about one, which... <laughs> 
also, um, so for people listening, you may see this one day in something I write because it just, it, I can't, mm. I can't not have it there. But I remember I had just come back from Edinburgh Fringe for the first time. So it must have been like 2017. I was a, a young buck at like 22, 23 years old. And I decided that I was like, I just wanted to go on a date that evening. And I was like, I'm feeling spontaneous. Um, and I matched with this guy on a dating app and he said, and honestly, now I look back at it, I'm just like, red flag, red flag, red flag. But he said in his bio, he was like, show me how spontaneous you are. And I was like, that's my word of the day. Anyway, so we started chatting and we ended up organizing to see each other that day. And he was just like, go to this tube station and we'll like work out what to do there. So I went to the tube station and then he was like, um, and I was like, Hey, where are you? And I was like, uh, and he was like, I'm at Waterstones. And I was like, which is a bookshop for, um, US listeners. And it was the Waterloo, it was, uh, Leicester Square stations. So there are so many exits. So already it was very overwhelming. And then I end up finally finding this bookshop and this guy was there and he just had his back to me and he wouldn't even turn around. And I was like, hi, are you? And then he was like, pick one. And I was like, hey, excuse me? And he basically made me pick a book and he was like, I'm going to go buy this one. And he kind of took this like spontaneous ego to such manic heights. He then, and I, I kid you not, there was a display globe. He spins it and points at it as being like, yes, that's where I will live next. And then he says that we're going to decide where we go next by him spinning around and pointing, and that's where we'll go. So we ended up in a Cafe Nero in Leicester Square. <laughs> and it was just, and it just like, these things, just this reel of spontaneous, in inverted commas, behaviour kept happening. And every single time I was like, my friends will love this. My friends will love this. But he was... Um, he was playing a part. Unhinged. He was trying to create a movie. Yeah, but it He wants it to be the guy so that you... Sinister. Oh no, it's, so, it's sinister, but it's also so cynical and so disingenuous. I've definitely... I, I've definitely done that once to someone, but in a very extreme, expensive way. So I like someone somewhere is going to do a podcast about what a twat... I am maybe, but love, love, I, love. Uh, I, there was a, a guy that I was going on a date with and we'd been friends for a really long time and I didn't know how to gear change into romance. And so I was like, right, there was us, it was going to be our second date. Uh, maybe I, I think so. And I was like, okay, uh, here's a list of shopping things that you have to go out and buy. And it included like hiking socks, but not shoes, a tuxedo, um, 12, uh, a 12 pack of toilet roll, uh, half a dozen eggs, um, tartan paint, which obviously doesn't exist and was a test of whether or not he was fucking stupid. Um, And uh, I'm I'm pretty sure some sort of like a carving knife. And this was you trying to up the romance. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. A A carving knife. Yeah, yeah. A a carving knife and a passport. And I was like, like, these are all the things you have to bring. You have to be at my house at 7 a.m., which, as you know, is the most romantic time of day. The, it's so romantic. 7 a.m.? Yeah. 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 It's the real magic hour. So sure. he's like anxious for the entire two weeks leading up to this. I give him two weeks to get collect, and I won't see weeks. him. That's yeah. also enough time to kill I'm, I'm romance. A fucking murderer, <laughs> clearly. So I'm, so I give him two weeks. And I'm like, great, I will see, I will see you at my house at 7am in two weeks. You go, go, go shop, child. Um, oh I didn't God. say that. Uh, anyway, so, uh, so he turns up at my house. I'm like terrified at 7am because why the hiking socks, but not the shoes? I think the 12 pack of loo roll and the knife in particular, I think really um, yeah, concerned him. Yeah, because 12 pack of knife, I was just like, if 12 pack of not knife, of um, loo roll, I just think, am I just doing your... Shopping. Yes, but also like it's six eggs, which actually would have been genius if I'd been in a kind of dominatrix situation. Anyway, sure. so uh he he turns up, he's exhausted, he's so stressed. The six eggs are really throwing him off as well. Um I I blindfold him <laughs> and put him did, in a but car. Did you have a, did you have a game a, plan? Because this is uh, stressing no, no, me out. I did. Okay. <laughs> 
So I blindfolded him. You had two weeks. I put him in a car um, and I don't tell him where we're going. Like fully, like this is like a full kidnap after making this man spend like at least a hundred quid, I think on the shopping stuff. We get out at King's Cross Station, which is where you can go um, to many different parts of not just England, but also Europe from there. Um, and he, we get out of the station. I unblindfold him. He has no idea what's going on. He's now slightly angry, which is completely fair. Uh, yeah, because also travelling time must have been pretty awkward. And then I take this £100 worth of uh, shopping that he's done and I just throw it away. I throw it away right in front of him. Now he's fucking pissed. I only keep yes. the tuxedo and the passport, obviously, the passport. Sure. And uh, I hand it back to him with a ticket to uh, Paris to go to Disneyland just for the day. And so the reason I've asked him to bring a tuxedo is that because we're going to go to Disneyland for the first half of the day and then halfway through the day at sort of like, no, like 5pm after having been like on rides all day, we both have to run to the Gardenon in Paris, which is like the big uh, international like, train station. And we have, and our stuff will be, is locked in lockers. Uh, Cause when we first arrived to Paris, we lock our stuff in lockers. So I get out my like, like beautiful gown and he gets his tuxedo and we literally have to like run across Paris to go and have dinner inside the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> And then, we like, went, and then we went. It's so back. ambitious. It's so it's insane, so and we weren't together very long, so it was just like so much money, and like it was just, I was. <laughs> also, also again, so unhinged. It was so unhinged. It was Disneyland in itself. I haven't been, but I can't imagine it's like a sexy vibe. I imagine no, it's but like I'm not a sexy lots vibe. Children. And but then center of the Eiffel Tower, too too sexy. Yes, yeah. And also, like complete gear also, change. Yeah. Yeah. And also so ob- obviously sexy that it ag- then ag- negates the sexy. Yeah. Well, because of cliche. Yeah. But just... anyway, so that's how you met James. No. <laughs> James got like a, a doodle that I did of him on our first date. Like he'll be horrified. So you, you went, when he you went slightly lower yeah. stakes. Yeah. Well, because I think... I think what I was probably trying to do, especially because it was a friend and because I'm also like so uh, romantically challenged um, because I can't pick up on cues, social cues very often. And I can't pick up on romantic cues at all. Like someone has to be inside me before I understand that there's any kind of like connection there and that it wasn't just in my head. Um, I gaslight myself the entire time I'm with someone I'm attracted to. And so I, uh, I think I was just through a fake going through a phase in my twenties of just trying to, maybe like this poor bastard in the bookshop might manufacture some sort of romance because I felt like inherently incapable of it. But what a psychotic first date. I can imagine at the end of it, were you the most exhausted person that's ever been? I was, I was, no, I was so energised. I was absolutely thrilled with myself. It's taken 10 years for me to look back on that as not iconic and just like a big red flag. (laughs) Like I just may as well have just been like, Honestly, like, 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 was, in a, like a bullfighter level red fucking yeah. flag. Like, yeah, I mean, think about how, how he told that to his friends. No, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Somewhere he's probably slagging me off on a podcast. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Yeah, the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Save big money in your next project with help from Menards. Move water where you need it quickly with a Barracuda sump pump. Sump pumps keep your basement dry when big storms hit unexpectedly. Get a half-horsepower cast-iron Barracuda sump pump on sale now through May 5th. Hurry into Menards and don't forget to check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. We're going to do one or two more serious questions. We've done a lot about confidence and worth. There's a good one that I really like, which is how do you weigh the value of an argument over walking away? 
Oh, oh my I, God, that is such a good question. It's such a good question, so I have and to ask And the person it. who wrote that question is already so much wiser than us two idiots. Yes. For even, like, phrasing it like that. Yeah. Wow. Oh, see, I... Part of me, as I, I'm so terrible at arguments. So you're not confrontational? No. Oh my God, no. I am so, the only person I have like, like argument arguments with really is my brother and also sometimes my housemate, but just because we're very, very close. But even then, if I have an argument, I get so lightheaded. I feel like I'm going to faint. I'm Mm -hmm. terrible, terrible Mm -hmm. at confrontation. Um, but then I'm trying to get better at it. And I think that is the value thing where I'm just like, if I feel like I'm not sticking up for myself, then that's not good enough. And I need to stick up for myself enough to kind of have the confrontation. But if I'm just, yeah, I don't think I would do like an argument for argument's sake. I'd more readily run, like run away from it. What are you, are you good at conflict? I mean, I'm, I think we, we all gather by this point of of uh, experiencing me or perceiving me that I am quite confrontational, um, deeply, deeply confrontational. Uh, but I am only confrontational when I actually care about when I actually think there's a tangible outcome. Mm. So I only yeah, that's smart. I like I I I don't. Uh, like if someone is just offensive because they're just a prick and they're getting something off their chest, like I'm not going to bother to confront that. Or if I'm having a a problem with a, with a friend or a colleague where I don't actually care anymore if they change, like I'm just kind of mm. over the connection. There is a, a fundamental lack of respect from them towards me or maybe me, like whatever. But, but I only, for example, I'll never argue with a friend unless I actually want that relationship to last. I only fight when I see like a merit in change, when I actually want them to change, I won't tell someone what I think is like wrong with them or their behavior or how offensive they are, unless it actually benefits me for them to change. If I'm not going to really care either way, there's no point. So I don't expend my energy unnecessarily, unless it's really for my own, like, you know, benefit or the benefit of the greater good. So I'll pick a fight with a very famous influencer about diet tea not because I dislike that person or have any personal Mm. feelings about them but just because I literally want them to stop selling that diet tea and I Mm. know that I can probably stop them from doing it yeah well then I think that's good though because I'm not saying that that confrontation always comes from quite like a hopeful place like as in if you're having the confrontation the is that a word the confrontation confrontation yeah yes Yes. that's a real word (laughs) if you're having the confrontation then Harry has just had COVID everyone (laughs) yeah 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 that is why my my brain has died in many many ways um but yeah if you're if you're having that then it means that you still have the like yeah the hope that that something will change either your relationship will get better or whatever the topic is can be Uh, yeah I only, about I only fight for what's actually really worth fighting for because I find fighting very exhausting. And I find the idea of the labor of explaining to someone ways in which they are hurtful or shit very exhausting. Like it's really only like what is in it for me. And even with an influencer who's selling diet culture, it's like, oh God, it'd be so great for me if diet culture ends because it keeps trying to suck me back into my eating disorder. Like it benefits all of us, but I, it's, it makes me, it maybe makes me sound selfish, but I don't really give a shit. Uh, but I, I, I really can't be asked with any interaction with anyone that doesn't have like a proper point to it. And I think that's maybe mm. as I'm getting older and I feel as though I'm running out of time. <laughs> but I, you know, I think you become more aware piece. of time. You become more aware of time. Yeah. I think that's why we chisel down our friendship groups and we change the ways in which we socialize. As we get older, we become more aware that like, okay, Jesus Christ, two years have just yeah. flown by of my life. Yeah. I need to, I need to be much more um, intentional. And so, so you know, I, I really think it's about fundamentally thinking, is there a point? Is there likely to be any change? How will that change mm. benefit you or the world? I think that's such a good, I'm going to, I'm going to try and keep that in mind when I next have my little confrontation with my brother. Will this change the world? Let I mean, let us know. Call in. I will. I absolutely will. <laughs> okay. Uh, what book would you recommend everyone reads? Oh, I'm trying to think of like a very, helpful book but I just read a book okay actually now I've got it it's why why did you stay by Rebecca Humphreys because it's so brilliant and so funny and 
so important and it's about um self-worth um it's about a lot of the things that we were talking about and it's just the most brilliant memoir by the most brilliant person and friend um and then in terms of fiction i just read this really beautiful book called song of achilles and it makes you want to go on holiday and be gay and those are two wonderful things <laughs> that's excellent god we needed, we needed that book when we were younger jesus christ um my yes. book is oh god it's so disappointingly by a straight white male and i'm sorry but it just happens to be the book that changed my life and so i'll recommend it to you um, but it's called The Yes Man and it's by Danny Wallace, who I think is one of the great British uh, silly authors. And as a deeply silly oh, person, it. it's, it's the book that I, is responsible for my whole life and my career. He's actually on this, he was on this podcast last year and I got to talk to him about it, but <gasps> he wrote a podcast about a very depressed man who decided to start saying yes to absolutely everything. And barring anal for myself personally because i have a tiny sure. bum a tiny tiny little bum hole like a sort of cat's, a cat's bum hole i know <laughs> uh i uh i have thrown myself at everything and i think part of what galvanized me to do that was this book about this man's adventure saying yes finally to everything when we are so encouraged to say no and so that mm. for me was just a transformative book that I think all young people should read just so that they have that kind of like injection of joie de vivre as, as, as the world starts trying to fearmonger you out of everything and tell you that you have to pick the subject now that you're going to study at university and then go on to have a career in. Everyone's terrifying you yeah. at that age. And I wish more people would read that book. Well, you've got one extra reader here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to order it now. <laughs> um, okay, we're going to go back to some little serious ones. Um, which is how do you deal with a rough breakup? Oof, you know what? It's 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 so annoyingly time, and I wish it wasn't. I remember hearing that and thinking, well, that's so useless. But it's it is time, and also someone someone once told me that um, breakups are very expensive. Buy yourself nice things. If you mm-hmm. can't go to think, get a new, but like, in, if you can get yourself nice things and it will, it will help. Um, I'll tell you one thing I don't recommend because I did it in my twenties before it was a, a thing. Um, but, uh, don't get a revenge body because actually it's the time when you most need some fucking snacks and yeah. you end up just like hungry and exhausted and self fixated in the negative yeah. ways. Uh, so I wouldn't recommend the revenge body. I recommend uh, deep, deep, deep care and just giving yourself the, the, the healing and love that maybe you weren't getting in that relationship. Yeah, totally. Be, be, the, be the partner that you needed. Yeah. Be your boyfriend. I also started um, uh, freighting where me and one of my best male friends started dating each other, but in completely uh, a romantic way. So what we decided mm. to do is that neither of us were wanted to be emotionally engaged with anyone. And we both enjoyed each other's company. And what we started doing was using each other to go on really like fun and exciting and culturally uh, experiential dates and finding new restaurants oh, together. So that, that so that we could not only like kind of fill that void to stop each other from going into mm. new relationships that would... Um, that we weren't ready for and that we weren't like emotionally, like we, we were just way too emotionally vulnerable. So we were protecting each other from that loneliness that leads you with sometimes into a rebound situation. But also we were using it as like recon work as research mm. so that by the time we did start dating, we knew all these new like museums and exhibitions and, and, and restaurants and what's the best thing on the restaurant. Like we were, we were, le- we were, almost like two sociopaths or like serial killers. We were like kind of learning how to be successful daters. Yeah, exactly. We were sort of, we, we wanted to blow people's minds the next time we were actually available. You have to get the tuna tata. Exactly. And so we went like within six months, we were two of like, suddenly these two bums were like the two of the most like culturally knowledgeable, uh, you know, members of London. It was very, very short lived, but it was so healing and it was, the best thing I've ever done after a breakup rather than because I'm a so ship smart. jumper. Otherwise I jumped straight into another relationship. I, uh, and, and it was the only time I didn't do that. And it 
it meant that the next time I got into a relationship, I was actually really ready for it. And also knew all the, I, I just looked really cool. Yeah, but also what's so lovely is that you, you kind of did jump into another relationship, but it was like a friendship, which is like such a healthier thing to kind of, yeah, put that, put that emotional yeah, and it doesn't into. it doesn't matter the gender of the friend, but I highly recommend freighting yeah, as a coping I love mechanism. That. I it love gets that. you out and it, it um it really like it it really like fills the void without filling your void, you know what I mean? Mm. The void needs to stay unfilled for a long minute. Unfilled. The void is empty for now. For me personally, some people like to get over somebody by getting under somebody. I also advocate for that. But for me personally, uh, as the kind of person who has the emotional skill set of taking someone to Disneyland Paris on a first date. And the Eiffel Tower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, God, I'm so embarrassed that I've actually told everyone that story. No, I'm I not sure it so if it's going to make also, it in. Should I keep it in the podcast episode? No, I think you should because I think it also just shows that you're this hopeful romantic. And I think it's I'm not even, very, very that's, endearing. That's the saddest thing is that I'm not even romantic. I don't actually have a romantic bone in my body, which I think is why I went so far. And what I did was so lacking. Because in you were like, this is romance. Authenticity. I was like, this is a movie. That guy that Paris you went on romance. the date with, like Mr. Red Flag. Yeah. He just like, he didn't have any actual romance or real yes, spontaneity. He was person playing got to the go part. to Disneyland and I went to Cafe Nero. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's like, sucks to be one. you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll, Mine was the budget version. Maybe we'll freight, even though I'm with James. Yes. Um, yeah, no, I'd like, James can come. So uh, someone's asked, how do you both communicate best in a romantic relationship? Any advice for making it work? Are you good at it? I am good Are you at good it. at communicating? Shall I go first? Yeah, I thought you were. Yeah, I bet. I knew you were going to be. Um, so, but the reason I'm good at it is because I am aware of all of my many shortcomings, like interrupting and, uh, again, not picking up on social cues, uh, not, not like being able to read people in the moment very well and, um, being very thrown by tangents and being thrown by not being able to just finish my point, which is impossible to do in an argument where you're criticizing each other because you both want to defend yourselves. So I think Mm. being aware of my social shortcomings means that I know that the best way for me to communicate in a relationship is emails. An email means you just get to fully make your whole point. They don't get to interrupt you. They have to read everything before they respond in full context. They have time to, when it gets too much, to step away walk away from it and come back to it when they feel ready. And they also don't have to like, it's really hard to have to in person face something that is difficult to hear. Yeah, It's really hard to be able to behave graciously, to be able to put your ego aside, to be able to say things you won't regret, to not react with pride. These are all things I think we all struggle with. And so I, for me, it, it like some people think it's cold, but I think it's quite charitable to give someone like the privacy and dignity of responding mm. in their own time on their own terms and not like while being perceived. It's awful to be perceived while being criticised. Or told yeah. something difficult. I, I don't think. know why, because it is, it's this like really like common thing that you're always told, oh no, you should have that conversation in person. You should have that conversation in person. Yeah. But like, I'm actually, I'm very much in your camp. Like, as in, when I'm in person, yeah, you, because I think, like, yeah, let's say that you were, you were criticizing me. Um, I was sobbing very beautifully, but sobbing. But like mm-hmm. the way that I would respond, if you would be very dewy sobbing now, yeah. <laughs> very dewy sobbing, exactly. But it would probably be much more self-defensive than it would be if you had like written me something and I had time to digest it. Do you know what I mean? I think I yeah, totally agree. I think that's so also, much better. But also the combat of the situation means you're going back and forth, back and forth. And so not all of your points yeah. actually get answered. Whereas an email, they have to go back like paragraph by paragraph or line by line. And be you, like, And I respond to this off? and I respond to that. Um, yours sincerely. <laughs> yeah. Jamila, uh, and then do you list your, do your Yours IMDb sincerely. Like? HRH, Jamila Jamil. <laughs> no. Very nice. Very um, nice. And then no, I, I include no, my show reel at the bottom. I, I, yeah, I sign off. Thank you for your time and consideration. Uh, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> I think I just sign off normally just like saying like, I'm saying all of this because I want us to be 
better and more connected. Like that's why I'm saying all of this. It's not because I'm trying to break us. I'm trying yeah. to stop us from falling apart. Like, please take this with like my best of intention. It also mm. gives me the opportunity, by the way, to when I am being a fucking prick, to have a second to, when I say something that's a cheap shot or below the belt, which mm. we are all capable of when we're angry, I also mm-hmm. have time before I send it to go back and stop myself from saying the thing that I can't take back. Yes. It doesn't matter how much you say you're sorry. There are some things that you say in the heat of the moment that someone can't unhear, even if they know you yeah. didn't mean it, even if they know that you're sorry and 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 you've, you've tried to make amends. It'll, there are some things that never go away. And so it mm-hmm. stops me from saying those things that I won't be able to stand by in three months and six months in a year. And so really I think smart. that's the Very other good. benefit. So I'm for a, I'm for a cold, you know, email because I actually think it's a more. I personally email. find it. Yeah, I find it more more loving, personally. Yeah. And then I think you follow up obviously with the personal conversation when you've both kind of like gotten the main points out of the way and you're ready to communicate. But you've had time. It's settled. It allows things to settle and it engages a part of your brain. There's something about writing things down that engages a part of your brain mm. that I think is more thoughtful. Well, also because you process it, like, as in, I know for me, whenever I need to, like, process big thoughts, I always, I always type them down because Mm. it's kind of useless them just being in your head because you just, it's all jumbled up and you kind of go over the same points again and again. But as soon as it's out in writing, then it might not make complete sense, but it definitely makes more sense. We have another question. Um, it's one that maybe, I don't know if we've both ever been in, but um, it says, how should I navigate my boyfriend's dad not acknowledging me? He is apparently emotionally unavailable. I guess I mean, it I just don't give depend- a shit. Oh, Go see, on. I was going to, yeah. No, no, what I was going to say, I guess it depends on how involved in your life he is like because if you just like see him once in a while it's just like you don't need to he's not giving effort to you then you don't need to give it to him but if it's someone that they're seeing so so regularly i say but yeah as the new person you kind of you want him to be kind of like i don't know welcoming yeah i don't know like i feel like if i'm not i feel like if we're not i'm not banging someone or being friends with someone, I really have no interest in their noticing me or making time for me because I don't particularly want to make time for them either. Like if someone's emotionally unavailable and has like a bit of an off-putting vibe, therefore a disrespectful vibe, I kind of don't really want to be friends with them either. I don't have that thing that makes me want to win them over. I'm just like, great. Okay. Well, you stay over there. I'll stay over here at this side of the table. And even if we have to see each other regularly, I really only crave the respect of people that I respect as Obviously, a rule. I would, I would bend over backwards for that, for that <laughs> father. My God, I'd be like throwing all of my beliefs under the table. Whatever, whatever he agreed with, I'd agree with too. Start slagging <laughs> off anyone, I'd slag them off too. I'd, gifts, I'd elaborate him, gifts. Force him. Elab- oh my God. I'd, I, you know, I wouldn't be able to pay rent because of the beautiful golf clubs <laughs> I, bought, I bought him. Um, but writer, don't listen to me. Listen to Jamila. That's much wiser from my, that is my, um, well, please, just like, please for the love of God, listen to her. Everything is just like, I don't, life is too short and there are just too many people in this world who are probably going to be much more worth your time than the people who explicitly aren't. So like, yeah. I will not, I will not give a moment of my energy to someone who I don't wish to actually be close to. Not a single moment. I cannot be asked at all because I consider my time too valuable. I consider myself too valuable to have to put myself Mm. in that position. So I think the, the, the writer who's, who's written this in, I think you need to work on, you know, as we kind of referenced earlier in this podcast, backing yourself and asking yourself, do you, you know, James had really bad social anxiety for a few years and um, I explained, you know, part of that came from the fact that he used to worry when he would talk. I think a lot of people find this accessible about what other people think of him when he was Mm. talking to them. And I said to him, I don't do that. I'm, I'm wondering whether I like the person that I'm talking to when I'm having a new conversation with someone, I'm not looking for 
Am I impressing them? Am I engaging them? I'm looking for, are we connected? Is there any reason I should continue this conversation or pursue anything further with this person? Do you not impress me, but do I find uh, merit and interest and excitement in you? I think it's it's worrying when we walk around constantly auditioning for other people and not being integral as to like what serves us what you know we're we're discouraged mm. from thinking that's considered like selfish or uh, self-serving and narcissistic and and maybe it is all of those things but it makes for a happier life with um sh- with less boring engagements No but also what I will say is that's cuz I I think I I'm not saying that James Thor does this, but I definitely have more of that where I'm just like, oh God, um, are they being, are they so bored by me? Am I not like, like all this stuff? Actually, the way that you do it, you're actually focusing on the other person. It's much less self-involved because you're actually listening to what they're saying rather than, (laughs) no, no, I genuinely, I think that's a good thing because you're just actually focusing on what the other person's saying, listening to them rather than you know, wringing your hands about how you're coming across. Well, it's just exhausting. Like, I think I'm uh, like, I've never been upset when I get rejected romantically, which was the vast majority of the first two decades of my life. Uh, Because I always think, well, then it wasn't a good fit. If they're not really into me, then this isn't, then this isn't right. And there's clearly some sort of pheromones missing or there's some sort of attraction that's not there. So why waste my time trying to pursue that? I'll just move on. Yeah, I, not very of, I do the same thing, but through okay, like shaky good. breaths, like not really believing <laughs> myself and be like, well, it just nearly wasn't meant to me. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. I think maybe I'm just a bit of a selfish prick, but I think, uh, I think selfish pricks are really underrated, if I'm honest. I would agree with that. And I, I think, think we should all be selfish pricks. I think that's the, well, that's the cutout. That's the clip. That's, yeah, we should all be. When we pricks. advertise this, I'm just going to have you yeah. say that one sentence completely out of context. Yeah. Nothing. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and or just like cut it. So every, every answer I give is just, we should all be selfish pricks. So as we round off, we want people to be kinder to themselves. We want yes. them to kill the negative self-talk. We want them yes. to judge others as to whether or not those people are right for us we're really it's it's a it's a selfish episode mostly driven it's by a very me. selfish episode no but as in it's it's making i'm gonna leave this podcast and do something incredibly selfish <laughs> just go out and like, kick, a, kick a granny like i don't know what's gonna I, happen i don't know how would that be selfish <laughs> i mean i <laughs> i might be able to rebrand it i'll i'll see but if, don't don't go looking for like kicked over grannies in lambeth council Listen, I just want all of you to feel empowered. I want you to brag and I want you to look after yourselves because honestly, if we don't look after ourselves, who the fuck is going to? Um, And so, Harry, thanks so much for coming on and chatting and listening to my stupid fucking stories and telling me your stupid fucking stories. Uh, I adore you and I'm so, so lucky uh, that you're my friend. I adore you too. I'm so, so lucky you're my friend, even though my brain was functioning at like, 3%, I think. Also, (laughs) a celebration to how lovely it is to make friends later in life. Like, you can carry on doing it and doing it and doing it. Um, And it's a really special thing. Yeah, don't be sad if you're losing friends at the moment. And if you're young and if your friendship circles may be getting a little bit smaller, don't be afraid of it because you never know where and when you're going to collect the people who are the most right for who you actually are now. Totally, 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 totally. Um, love you. Love you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I Weigh with Jamila Jamil is produced and researched by myself, Jamila Jamil, Aaron Finnegan, and Kimmy Gregory. It is edited by Andrew Carson, and the beautiful music you are hearing now is made by my boyfriend, James Blake. If you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It's a great way to show your support. We also have a bonus series exclusively on Stitcher Premium called Ask Jamila Anything. Check it out. You can get a free month of Stitcher Premium by going to stitcher.com forward slash premium and using the promo code iWay. Lastly, over at iWay, we would love to hear from you and share what you weigh at the end of this podcast. You can leave us a voicemail at 1-818-660-5543 or email us what you weigh at iWayPodcast at gmail.com. And now... We would love to pass the mic to one of our fabulous listeners. Here is an I Weigh from one of our listeners. I Weigh 
the love of my closest friends and family, the drive to make myself better, my anxiety and everything it has taught me about myself, the love I have for my dog who came to me after my dad died suddenly last year and honest to God saved me, every book I've read, every TV show I've binged and every movie I've sat through because these are the ways in which I grow and learn and make my little slice of existence worthwhile. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... I got the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Uh, hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.